0: My name is Jacob Stoops.
1: And I'm Jeff Luella.
0: And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast.
1: This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry.
0: We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this episode, we chat with Garrett Merkut, founder and CEO of Directive, a search marketing agency for mid-market and enterprise brands. We discuss how he went from college soccer star to Fiverr hustler to SEO. We cover the founding of his business, his advice on how SEOs can begin to speak executive level language, what it's like to scale and run an agency in the pressure of being responsible for so many people, how he works to empower those within his organization, what it's like to have to deliver bad news to an employee, and so much more. In the news, we talk about the acquisition of Distilled by Brain Labs, and a really interesting Twitter thread started by Kevin Indig about super annoying public speaking habits. Finally, we have a deep dive into why discoverability, not traffic, keywords, and links needs to be put on an SEO pedestal. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Garrett's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. everybody! This is Jacob Stoops, and we are here with the 40th episode of the Page Two Podcast. Somehow Big we stumbled. Yeah, we've stumbled our way to 40 episodes, and people still listen to us. And in fact, more and more people are listening to us. Uh, which is—it's time to go to Vegas, right? Yeah, let's. We're for our 40th, <laughs> right for our 40th. Well, let's wait till our 50th. That's okay. The golden, the golden. Uh, episode if we can make it 10 stumble our way to 10 more episodes but the voice you heard was my co-host mr jeff luella jeff how's it going it's
1: going great it's uh, kind of a rainy day here today but you know i like the rain sometimes so
0: well jeff you could be in ohio (laughs) literally our trees are uh have a layer of ice on them right and and uh three days ago it was 70 degrees so you could Ohio Yeah. So Jeff's Jeff's in Atlanta. He's used to it uh, being very warm, but he's a Philly. Uh, I'm
1: from the yeah. I'm from the Northeast, so I know what that's all about.
0: Anyways, so enough about us. Uh, we do have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Garrett Mergut, uh, CEO of Directive. Garrett, how's it going? Good, Jacob. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. It's going to be a good time. Yes, we are. We are very, very excited um, to have you, and I think that. Um, We're going to have a really, really good discussion, and we've got a lot of stuff um, on tap for today. Um, For first-time listeners, we like to kind of explain um, the podcast, and we're getting a lot of first-time listeners. For those of you that have listened to us before, thank you so much. Our numbers are growing. We love you. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of the nice stuff you guys have been saying on Twitter. Um, Things are growing. But if you're a first-time listener and you're just kind of catching up with the podcast, um, the best way I can describe it is it's kind of like you're a fly on the wall and you're hearing what SEOs really talk about if they're in a room together, right? Alone. <laughs> um, and, and in the second season, we've, we've really kind of focused on three kind of core components. One is just the, the backgrounds of our people. Nobody really ever gets into SEO intentionally, uh, at least, people that have been in the industry for a while. Um, it's rare that people get into it intentionally. And what we really like to dive into are those kind of origin stories, the day-to-day trials and tribulations, the, the real life things that people go through just in the day-to-day of being uh, an SEO. We find those super interesting. So that's kind of the core of the podcast. Then we talk about the news, uh, whatever whatever the news of the day is. And today we've got news A little bit of a slow news day, but yesterday, uh, Brain Labs acquired the SEO agency Distilled, uh, so that is definitely worth talking about and um, it would be interesting to hear uh, Garrett's perspective as an agency CEO on on that type of subject. Uh, and then we've got uh, a pretty interesting Twitter thread that got a lot of response yesterday from Kevin Indig uh, around super annoying speaker habits. Uh, so we'll, we'll dive into that. And then kind of the third leg of the stool is just a deep dive. And today's deep dive is going to be around discoverability. Uh, and why you need to put discoverability uh up on a pedestal instead of just your traditional vanity metrics, traffic keywords, links, those types of things, so stay tuned uh later in the episode. We will talk about that so Garrett, um wanna yeah. dive into your background so what's your background? who are you? How did you get into s e o and how did you how did you found an agency
2: yeah, I mean so uh, for those, of those who haven't heard, uh, I feel like I've talked about this a little bit uh, on other shows as well, but you know, I was on Fiverr. Uh, so I was slinging social media calendars for $5. Um, and I kind of just figured out how the Fiverr algorithm works and I kind of made a game out of it. And next thing you know, I was one of the top rated people in marketing on Fiverr. And I thought, hey, that was kind of cool. I was also... Um, working event staff. I was captain of my soccer team. I was getting my master's in a year. Um, and yeah, I had two other jobs I was an independent contractor for two other guys. I was like kind of working six jobs at the time. Plus, you know, captain of the soccer team doing my master's all that. And, uh, yeah, I kind of just, someone like asked me if I knew how to rank a website and I kind of, I was just like, no, but I could probably figure it out. So I just went on Moz. I read everything they had written in like two weeks from like the prior five years. And then I just kind of like took notes on everything and then applied it to a website, came up with a little motto called learn, engage, create. So every day I was just learning new things, engaging with it and creating more value for myself and my customers. And uh, yeah, fast forward about, I think like 14 months and we had landed
0: Allstate. Uh, And then from there we just grew. Um, So yeah. Sounds like you were pretty, uh, pretty busy. How are you still standing? <laughs> no,
2: I, I enjoy this stuff. You know, I mean, this year, I think I'm speaking at over 30 conferences um, all across the globe. So no, I mean, I, I like to work hard. Uh, I enjoy that part of, you know, this role. Um, so no, man, it's a great time. I really enjoy it.
0: What, um what made you get on Fiverr to begin, to begin with? That's a different background than, than those we've had before.
2: Oh, um, I don't know. I think maybe it, like, I never thought I was above anything. Like in college in the summer, I'd like clean toilets and crap, like whatever, would pay the bills, you know, like, so for me, like Fiverr, I, when I was starting directive, I didn't have any money. I had like 20 bucks in the bank account. Like I didn't fund this thing with like capital or parents or like my parents were missionaries. So it wasn't like that. I was just, um, I used Fiverr to like do a logo for like some of my like side gigs because I only had five bucks. And so I figured, hell, I could probably figure this out for myself. And I made a just game out of it. I want to see if I can make a thousand dollars a month working like less than an hour a day or something. You know, and I was just playing around with it.
0: Yeah, that's funny. Um, we, so actually, we used Fiverr as well um, to have someone um, someone design our our logo for the podcast. Yeah, so I'm it's actually sure. it's a, yeah. it actually turned out to to work out pretty well for the for the price and the 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 level of effort. And honestly didn't have to give a whole lot of direction. And and the designer spit out a really, really good logo. Now, I will say I had to go through one designer that didn't work out before I ultimately found the one that did. But you can do that for 100 grand too, though. Well, yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) I feel like uh, I heard Ohio State, uh, the Ohio State University, um, five years ago paid something like, I don't know, $500,000 Five hundred thousand dollars to an agency who all they did in the end to update the logo was add a little black line ar- around it, and I was like, "Very oh important black line, right? Yes. Yeah. It's very, very important."
1: <laughs> well, it's funny now too with like the whole Doritos campaign where they don't have a logo. Like they, they I think the whole Super Bowl commercial was about not having a logo. People understand that like a blue and red bag is Doritos and but they just kept on talking about like we don't need a logo we don't need a logo and like well I guess you don't everything is like triangular and it's we get it
2: (laughs) that's awesome that's so true
0: so when you when you were making the switch from Fiverr into Directive what is the I, I guess what was the reasoning behind like hey I'm going to go start an agency and, and, how have you grown it? Yeah. I mean, so
2: my whole life, I just tried to f- keep things really simple, I guess, when it comes to like growth and why. So like I always figured, um, like perception is reality. So growing up, I was very, you know, I was gifted at soccer. I got to play like number one team in the country. Like this is what I did. And so everybody knew me as a soccer player. So I figured if people knew me as a soccer player, I could charge their kids lessons. Like what am I good at? What do I enjoy? How can I make money on it? Right? And so I was like okay, cool. So I started you know in eighth grade or so like charging you know parents to do privates for their younger kids and teaching them how to play soccer. Kind of made a business out of that. And then what's funny is you graduate college. Like I did my degree in econ in three years. Did my master's in my fourth year. But I didn't really have like any real said like this is what I want to go do or be. Um, I just knew I liked to like solve business problems and help people grow their businesses. And I figured, okay, so I wanted to go into consulting. So I applied to Boston, Bain, Deloitte, McKinsey, all these places. And they all just denied me. And I got like an auto response because you had to go through their more like web application, like their formal application process. And like my school was Azusa Pacific and I had to apply literally as other, like it wasn't even in their chosen. You like apply other, you get an auto response. You're like, they don't tell you that before you give them 45 grand a year at Azusa. Um, and so, you know, at the end of that whole process, I was like, you know what, forget these guys. I'll just build my own agency and they will off to acquire me. That was kind of my mentality. And so I just like was driving around my like 1978 moped, like all around Azusa, handing out flyers to my GoDaddy website. I had no skills. Just like, hey, I'll help you. And I'll build you a Yelp page, a Facebook page. I'll help your business. And that's kind of like how people eventually were like, hey, do you know how to do this internet stuff? They saw me as young. They were old. They didn't know the internet. So then I figured, okay, I got to learn this internet stuff. Tried social, tried some other stuff. I found SEO to have kind of the biggest bang for its buck for people. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go get get into the highest ROI channel of digital I can find and become you know great at it. And so it kind of just cascaded into that. But no, I didn't like work anywhere. Like no one taught me. I literally just like kind of figured it out.
0: I feel like that's the way um, a lot of people end up end up doing it. I have a a fairly similar, and I know Jeff's got a similar origin story. um, Where honestly, I started out as a graphic designer, and we had uh, I worked at a company where they needed websites built, and basically, I was given a choice: either learn how to build websites or Or go away. Um, So I learned how to build websites, and then the next problem becomes: Why aren't my websites getting traffic? And then that leads me to um, to SEO. And I and I know Jeff's got a a very similar story. Um, How important is that curiosity in in the drive in terms of people's individual journeys?
2: It just depends on what you're trying to build. I mean, and you're going to need a different level of drive for whatever that is, like. When I started Directive, I always wanted to be the biggest agency in the world. I still do. So I never built it to be anything else. Um, Everybody's different. You know what I mean? I don't think there's one better way to build an agency or a better way not to build an agency or whatever that is. So I think you just have to understand what your goals are and then just be real about yourself. Like, you know, a lot of people say they want to be the biggest agency and then just do things that only a boutique agency would do. And then other people you know want to build a boutique agency but are really good at sales and marketing and accidentally end up building a big agency and, and then they hate themselves right so you just have to be real with what you want to build and i don't think there's like that's why i don't ever like to talk about revenue i don't like to talk about that kind of stuff cuz i never like to do this like it's really easy for our industry to do this what i call like i don't know transparency bullshit where they're like act like they just all they do is go oh look at me i'm so freaking special and then brag about their numbers in the sake of transparency, it's like some thing that started in SAS that agency guys love to do. It's kind of disgusting. Um, You know, my, my, I prefer to just help people and, you know, just be real about the problems and talk about like what's going on. Cause the last thing I want is somebody who has a smaller agency to look at my agency and think they're less of themselves or less successful because they're not, they're just choosing to build something different. And I totally, and that's really special to me. Like I think everybody needs to build, what they're passionate about. We don't need a bunch of big agencies and we don't need a bunch of little ones. We need everyone to build what they're passionate about. Um, so I don't know. I, I take that stuff kind of serious and I, I just hate when people do that in our industry because I think it's like the cheapest version of marketing yourself and it's disgusting. I don't
0: know. SEO has a lot of that. Uh, there's definitely a lot of that um, going going around. And one of my pet peeves and I, I hate when I'm kind of forced into a situation to to do it. Is when you're working working with a client and you're you know the day to day, you know the client, um, you know what their what their pain points are, um, whether or not things are things are going well in terms of a performance standpoint. Um, that's a that that that's a separate story. But I think all of us have probably experienced situations where you get undercut, where your clients. CMO or their CEO or whoever it may be will send them like a screaming frog report from another agency to try to undercut what you're you're doing and it always rubs me the wrong way and quite frankly like I I don't like uh, I'm very uncomfortable in situations where I have to um, have to do that or have to try to undercut uh, other people's work because I fully realize that there's a lot of nuance that goes into a partnership like that. And there may be reasons why certain things aren't, aren't fixed. So that, that type of stuff that happens in the, in the, um, in the yeah, market. That's just like one a little I'm just talking about like the people that just like
2: love to do like the, here's what I learned this year. And here's, you know, my path to 3 million or, you know, my journey to 10 million. And it's really just a really? chance to brag. And then they, and at the end of it, they like go transparency period. You know, it's like, you're, you're not being transparent. You're just bragging. Like, <laughs> like, and you're not helping anyone. Like if you really want to help people, you don't need to post. Like, I, I just think there's this common like misconception where people think that like they don't influence others and they shouldn't be held responsible for how they affect others. And I don't think that's cool. I think as like men and women, we need to actually say like, how as a leader of an organization, do I make other people feel And I actually think that's like something of noble or something valuable to pursue is asking yourself, how how do you actually empower other people to build the best version of what they're trying to do, not make other people think you're so great, you know, it's kind of self-serving at that point.
0: And you know what, now that you mentioned kind of that slant, I I came uh, most recently from a startup and that type of a culture is very pervasive um, in the startup in the startup world or, or like you said, SaaS, it's very pervasive. The work, if you're not working 80 or 90 hours a week, you're, you're, you're not hustling. So it's the, yeah. I think people call it hustle porn, um, which yeah. actually make, it makes sense. It kind of fetishizes the idea of the, the hustle or the ego. Uh, right. Ego. Yeah. It's all kind of silly. Yeah. It's not real, you know, like,
1: <laughs> and it makes but Gary, me- Gary V is not real. Okay. Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is built is real. I mean, yeah. It's, it, and, and it's not that you can't go like share everything. Like I totally think you should be right. sharing everything, helping people. It's just like, I just don't like to make it about the money because then it makes people feel less valuable.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Whether
0: we like it or not, that's kind of just how people are. Yeah. So I've got some, I, th- I think, CEO related um questions and, and we've had um, several CEOs and I, I like to try to ask these types of questions because a lot of times the perspectives that we're getting are from down going up rather than up going down. Um, yeah. One of the most common problems that I find that SEOs have is the idea that when you, you're communicating with a, with a client or with an internal team sometimes it's hard to use the right language to speak, executive speak, to, to level things up, um, in a way that's going to make sense in that you're going to get buy-in from the executives who you ultimately need to be your, your internal champions. So from your perspective as somebody that is, uh, you know, a CEO and at the executive level, how do you do that? What's the best way to go about that?
2: Yeah. I mean, so, Like this is something I talk about all the time, right? You have like the new Python fad. You have all these technical fad. I mean, it comes and goes every year. There's something new, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the truth is, is it's soft skills are what pay you uh, as a practitioner and as an owner. In other words, like if you really want to make money in SEO, you need to become extremely, extremely knowledgeable of all parts of marketing, business, finance, and sales and product not seo the funniest part is the least valuable thing you know as an seo is seo and that's a really hard concept for people to understand and so like at directive i built what's called the skill pyramid uh it's on my youtube channel you can check it out and it talks about all the things i think as a marketer, as a professional you need to know and really that goes down to like your foundation and all these other different pieces my point being here is like most seos can't communicate seo the right way because of their inputs their educational inputs In other words, they only read SEO-related content, search marketing-related content, PPC-related content. They haven't taken time to read leadership books. They haven't taken time to read product books. They haven't taken the time to read DevOps books. They haven't taken the time to read CRO. They haven't taken the time to read management, like sales, finance. And so what happens is, is they don't see how their very, very, very small piece of the marketing like actual engine fits into the business as a whole and see the more humility you can approach to with your craft when communicating upwards the more empathy and buy-in you get and so really to me the key of like you know because we do a lot of enterprise work here as well like we're not working on small businesses like we're working with Allstate, betterment cisco samsung like tencent like large organizations they don't care about anything. They care about their goals. They care about their marketing objectives. They care about their revenue. And most importantly, they care about themselves. Like you will never ever work with someone who cares more about anything other than themselves. Okay. And so everything you have to do has to go through the context of why what you're doing for them matters to them as an individual, to their career, to them. Because what we don't realize is when we get hired as an agency, they put their ass on the line. Like your point of contact puts their butt on the line to vouch for you. And you need to honor that. You need to align yourself with that. And you need to execute flawlessly towards the reason why they hired you. And when you do that really well, now you have partnerships and long-term contracts, upsells, renewals, you get a raise as an employee, et cetera. But no, I mean, your most important skill in SEO is literally everything else, you know, not SEO.
1: That's funny. I I always try to make my Clients like the stars of their companies, and um, I I could say most of my clients I've been with for a long time now, and um, seen them go through promotions, seen them getting like their their big things, and um, you know, though a lot of times it's not directly like they're doing great stuff to begin with. I feel like I'm giving them a lot of that information and ammo to help out, and I totally agree that it being a great SEO is is more than just knowing SEO. That is a totally true thing. You need to know how to, um, one, just speak to speak, right? And, and communicate and actually connect. And I think the connection is where a lot of people who are just on Twitter and or just on, you know, that actually talking to clients um, where they really fail at a lot of times. So I think yeah, that the, communication the word, is super important.
2: The word we use is that rapport building is more important than report building. And it's a really important nuance of retention uh, and client satisfaction.
1: That's a great motto. So I, Directive is, is growing. I mean, I think you're been open, what, five years now? Maybe six-ish? Uh,
2: yeah, we're going under six year right now. Six um, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, so, and, and as you grow, of course, you're adding, more you do, you do more than SEO right now, right? So you, like, how do you balance um, and connect all those different uh, marketing services that you do to, to make sure that everyone on um, the team is getting the right amount of focus or your clients are getting, you know, the focus they need um, into certain areas that they're at.
2: Yeah. I mean, no, it's, it's really difficult. I mean, we obviously aren't perfect at it. Uh, there's definitely areas we can improve in there, but one of, one of the biggest parts of doing it really well is really just management team, you know, having directors and leads without any clients that are fully available to support those, Different deliverables, and then you know, working to blend those deliverables by making sure the people doing the work and people managing the account are on the call together, um, so that you still have direct lines of communication while still having separate lines of communication, um, you know, and, and learning really how to do that part well. But no, to blend it all, I mean, you also have to make sure you don't get outside of things that work together. Like, you know, I mean, like SEO and PPC truly work together. Like, you're literally accomplishing the same thing of positioning a brand to be discovered when you deem there to be valuable intent, whether that's in a paid result or an organic result, right? So those two things work hand in hand. When you start going into programmatic, you start jumping into event marketing, you start doing experiential, you start getting outside of your area. Now now it's really easy to get outside your line of expertise. Um, so like Directive, we've never done anything really outside of search. Like we don't do web dev. We don't do events we don't do email like we stay right in that search marketing lane of like SEO PPC CRO analytics and then sometimes paid social depending on kind of how that fits in their advertising mix but most Mm -hmm. of it's really within search do
0: do you ever because I'm seeing more companies um, try to expose themselves to building services around kind of all aspects of the the consumer journey kind of soup to nuts do you ever feel like you're being kind of forced in that direction? Or is that something that you guys? No, I mean,
2: here's the reality, right? Like the higher up you go, the more like they're wanting a best of breed model. So what I find like, so what'll happen is like a new CMO might come into an organization and they might pull in like a full service agency to get them started, but then they're going to hack those guys at year one or year two, or they'll whittle their contract down to nothing. In other words, like, They'll, they'll say, look, hey, we want to keep, you know, 50 dev hours a month. We like what you're doing on the SEO side, but frankly, the PPC side is not cutting it. We're going to go get a PPC-only agency. And then they'll bring directive in. Uh, and then they're like, hey, you guys do SEO, right? And we're like, yeah. And we talk to them about their SEO. And then eventually, you know, we have their PPC and the SEO. And then that full service people just has the dev hours. Happens literally every day. Um, so no, I mean, the larger an organization you work with and the more talented marketer you work with, the more talented you have to be in every deliverable uh, And It's very difficult to not be crappy at one thing. Or so it's even
0: kind two. of like agencies or, or businesses that do that, maybe spreading themselves thin. Is that what you're, that what I'm
2: well, they definitely are. I mean, the only way it works for them is if they're at another type of size where they have like only uh, accounts that are so large that they're servicing the same account as if it's separate accounts. In other words, like you're with a, would be a good example for you, like a Samsung, let's say. So Samsung's gonna have a consumer electronics division. It's gonna have a different consumer this division, a different mm-hmm. consumer that division. Then it's gonna have an enterprise business division. Now all of those have separate budgets, separating operating teams, separate marketing units. And then maybe you can service one with email, one with this, but trying to serve one account with all resources in all your different channels is really quite difficult to retain the account. Now you can get your teeth in deeper, which is their logic, right? The more services we give them, the stickier we've become. But what I'm finding is that they're just axing out parts of those services and you're not as sticky as
0: you think you are.
1: So Yeah I think the pharmaceutical world's that way too where like each I, I've worked in pharma okay. for a while and each drug that a pharmaceutical company makes, it's its own business line and its own own people, own marketing, own marketing tactics, own rules on how they can market, right, depending on if it's, you know, over the counter or if it's a prescription. So, um, and it is, it is fun trying to navigate some of those, uh, like a Johnson & Johnson, because they have 30,000 well, yeah, I mean, different things to go through and so...
2: No, totally different buying center. Buying units is difficult to sell into them. It's difficult yeah. it's difficult at first to work with them, but it's fun too, right? And so then all of a sudden yep. you get their EU business, you get your their EMEA business, you get their APAC business, right? And now you're doing global. So no, it, it's a really it's a it's a it's a cool pursuit and it's enjoyable yep. for sure.
0: So what I wanna wanna ask a, a couple of more questions before we kind of move on to the the news. So as you As you scale up as the CEO and founder um, and you start to to bring on headcount, one of the things I like to always ask is what is that like? Is there a certain amount of pressure that that comes along with knowing that these people you're responsible to them for helping them get paid, giving them a paycheck, and is there any like added pressure that comes with that and then to even take it a step further, have you ever had to deal with? layoffs or, or firings or anything like that? And if so, like, what is that like as the person on the other end delivering bad news like that?
2: Yeah. I mean, so we have a vision to be the best, biggest search marketing agency out there. So that's a, that's a difficult vision. Um, And the reality is to accomplish that you have to be ruthless to that vision and empathetic and loving to the people at the same time. And, and what I mean by that is you have to say, look, here's where we're going to be. And in and, and all transparency, maybe not everybody's going to be there with us. You know, um, we want you to be, we're going to empower you. We're going to love on you. We're going to support you. We're going to coach you to get there. But we're not going to not accomplish our vision. It, And you have to essentially be ruthless to your vision. And and unfortunately, yeah, what that means is sometimes, especially when you're growing the way we're growing, okay? There's multiple ways. I think there's two ways to grow an agency. You grow agencies through volume of accounts or size of accounts, okay? In other words, you grow for how many accounts you have or how big your accounts are. Now, you have to be honest with yourself when you're doing this because I was trying to grow with both and it it, it doesn't work, okay? So what I mean by that is like you can't say you want to be the best agency in the world and have lots of accounts. There is an inverse correlation between quantity of accounts and quality of service, period. I don't care how much technology you use, everything else. Now, you can say, I want to be the best vendor at a lower price point, and that is completely okay, right? But you need to qualify it because you truly can't be the best vendor and have the best deliverable and the most accounts. It literally doesn't work. And so, you know, we decided we were going to try to be the best vendor and then charge a premium. And so in doing so, what happens is if you're offering, let's say, a $3,000 a month retainer, and then all of a sudden your minimum or average retainers jump up to almost $10,000 a month. And let's say you do that within a three-month period. I don't know very many humans that can raise their ability of, to deliver value from 3000 to nine to $10,000 in three months. So that creates a lot of just misalignment in who your team is and who you're servicing. And that is really difficult. Um, Yeah. And it requires constant conversations, hiring and communication and difficult conversations around, Hey, you know, this is a new expectation. Here's what the client expects. You know, is this something that you're willing to do? It's going to take a lot of hard work. You know, you're going to have to be putting in extra time around learning and education and making sure you're leveling up your skill set, uh, is that something you're passionate about? You know, And if they're not, then you, you, know, you might have to go a separate way. Um, but there is no reality of like, the biggest mistake young leaders and new leaders make is they try to make the wrong people the right people instead of making the right people better. It's the biggest mistake leaders make. And, and it's, it's really hard because every part of your soul and your heart wants to love on these men and women and help them. Yet simultaneously, what we try to do is young leaders we try to focus our efforts on our best clients and our time on our struggling people. But you don't put your best clients on your struggling people. So what you really end up doing is spending all your time on the wrong accounts. And so now you're churning the wrong accounts. And then the, the, real, the reality when you get you know, better at this game and you get more experience is you find out that your best people are never as good as you thought and they need more support than you're giving them. And so you still end up churning your right accounts. You end up losing the wrong people. And you kept some of the wrong accounts, which didn't even help you. And that's the reality of growing an agency that I'm just having to learn myself. Uh, And hopefully, you know, it's valuable to someone listening. Because I would have wished I would have heard that six years ago.
1: I think there's things like that, yeah. You just learn on the job. um, Because it's, I think every company and every business is run a little different and has different, you know, insights and views. And and any employees of themselves, right? Because um, it's always just from working on the internal side, like trying to build a team and, and hire the right people. Um, I, we actually just got a, or working with a new client and and, then I looked at some of their history and they did have some layoffs, but their layoffs were very targeted on the wrong people. And that was kind of the, 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 I think their quote was like, um, we're just letting the wrong people um, off the bus so that we can have making room for the right people, and um, though I didn't think that was as nicely said, because if you're one of those layoffs, you didn't want to be like called the wrong person. <laughs> um, but at the same time, uh, yeah, making sure I've seen way too many companies where the wrong people are in there, and and they've been there for a long time, and at the same time, they're they're tough to let go because they are part of your family and they're part of your team, and if they're not putting in the effort to to do we'll it, that it's it's a tough situation
2: right? You know, it's not not a layoff. That's not what it is. It's a coaching conversation that says, Hey, in all transparency, what we hired for you has changed. And that's not your fault. Like that's not Mm -hmm. their fault that you decided to triple your rates, right? You hired them to do 3k and now it's 9k. That's not their fault. But the truth is, is the client pays them, not you. And, And that's the craziest part that you have to understand. It's like, they're your employee, but you're not really the one paying them. The client is, and if the client's not getting what they're paying for, the client's not getting what they're paying for, and, yeah. and you got to make sure that that you put that customer first. Um, yeah, and it's just something you literally every agency has to do if it decides to grow through size of retainer, because literally, who's capable of servicing a three k is different than nine, just as much as different than fifteen, just as much as number thirty. Like we have clients that pay a lot, even more than that, and the people who can service that, it, it, you know. It's difficult to find and not everybody can. And that's all right. You don't need only those people. But at a certain point, you need to make sure everyone can at least service your minimum size account. And right. if you raise your minimums, right, every year and by a lot, every year there's going to be this, this thing of not fitting until you get to a certain point. And it doesn't happen all the time. Like like when I was on a club soccer team, right, we started at Silver, then went to Silver Elite, then you go to Gold, then you go to Premier. Now you're the number one team in the country. Once you're on the number one team in the country, you're not churning people all the time. Like, it, new people aren't even coming all the time. There's not that many people that can play on that team. It's just as you're getting through those stages, you know, there, there is a core group that is like, yeah, baby, I'm ready. This is a challenge I'm up for. And I, I, got, I love this. And there's other people that are like, I don't really know if I want to be a pro soccer player. Like, I don't college, I'm not even sure. Like, I kind of want to just party have a good time. Like, I like soccer. I'm going to probably play murals. I don't really want to be training every day. Cool. Yeah. That's totally fine. You know, and a lot of times you think you're helping people by keeping them around. And the truth is you're not. Sometimes you just have the conversation. be like, look, dude, I think you're in-house. Like in all transparency, I think you need the time to focus on one account, not five. Like, let's talk about it. Right? And like, th- those are real conversations you have to have if you truly actually want to love on your people. Like dragging people along with you till it gets to the point where they hate you and they leave a one-star glass door review because you, everything about what they like to the job has changed and all your expectations of them are above their realities, like, that's when you get yourself in a bad, you know, situation as an organization.
0: And I would say, I think one of the reasons some organizations struggle with that is because nobody likes change. Change is hard. And not only that, as humans, most people don't like to have tough conversations like that. Um, And it it sucks. Yeah, it does. of course. Of course it, it sucks for, for both people. Um, and nobody wants to be the one that has to have that conversation. Nobody wants to be the one that is the subject of that conversation. So there's definitely, I would say, and in my experience, I've seen it, I've seen at different agencies and different places I've been where there's a certain amount of, um, dragging people a- along willingly and sometimes un- unwillingly, um, and it doesn't benefit the 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 entire team, and it doesn't benefit the long term culture uh, and, and vision as, as well. But it's a hard conversation that needs to be had. But nobody wants to say, "Hey, I'll go do it. I'll go have that conversation." So to be the one yeah. to do that is difficult sometimes.
1: Um, um,
2: nine to five it's really hard and I tell people you know you got to just do it nine to five and then five to nine you can cry about it you can be emotional you can go through that whole process but nine to five you know you got to be ruthless to your vision and five to nine you gotta you know you get to kind of deal deal with those issues and you can reconcile it and you got to love on your people the whole time but if you really do care about somebody and love them uh you need to also know when you're not helping them anymore um and, and that and that's a you know, it's just a really hard thing to do, but it is crucial yeah. if you're going to be raising your rates and trying to level up your your ability to service your clients.
1: As you grow as a company, um, I'm finding talent is is tough. I think it. Um, I believe that I saw that you you do have a, a remote workforce. Are you a hundred percent remote, or you yeah, do you so have offices?
2: Like we're both, so we're like a beautiful mixture. So like everyone's remote. Or in an office and it's completely their choice. So we don't prescribe how you get to enjoy your work. Yeah. So if you want to be in an office one day a week, that's totally great. we got a hot desk for you. Uh, If you want to be in four days a week, we got a permanent desk for you. You want to never be in totally fine. Like we have our new director of SEO, uh, Brendan Hufford. I don't know if you guys know him. Uh, He's in kind of the content community as a newsletter, I think. Uh, some other stuff he does uh, for the SEO mm-hmm. community. Um, but he's a hundred percent remote out of Chicago or Indiana. So, you know, it's not, no, I mean, we literally have even leaders like who are managing, you know, tens, you know, to twenties of people, like fully remote. So
1: um, yeah. It's As a, a newly remote employee. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a lot easier
2: to just be like, Hey, I want, if you yeah. want to be the best you have to hire the best. And you can't be like, also PS, you have to work here like that doesn't really work that well when grown men and women have families like they need to put that family first and I'm pretty serious about that
0: so the funny thing is I have um I've become remote uh in at search discovery I'm um full-time remote which is it's amazing um but I mean there are uh situations in in there are definitely um, I don't I don't know how many other marketers experience this, but you're constantly getting barraged with opportunities, uh, whether it be through LinkedIn or whatever. You're constantly yeah. being barraged by recruiters with opportunities, and I'm always amazed at the lack or, or at the reluctance of companies in this era yeah. to allow or be open and flexible to remote work and there's there seems to be a feeling that the person can't be as effective when they're not necessarily there and I do agree to some degree that like being present there's a lot that that can occur when you're physically present that is beneficial but I think people can be really really effective remote as well and I I have found personally that like for, for me, not that I want to move on from search discovery anytime soon, but like if I ever did move on, like it's almost a deal breaker, the remote aspect of it, because I've gotten so used no, to it. You no, know, it totally you it's is. my family.
2: Yeah. No, totally is I mean, as CEO, like I struggled with it, you know, the first couple of years just because of my own insecurities. It wasn't like a lot of us as leaders, uh, whether we like to admit it, we like to feel like we have a certain amount of control. And the idea of not, you know, seeing someone makes you feel like you're less in control. And it's something you have to, you know, deal with, recognize, and then eventually just grow up and move on. And, you know, you got to just be like, yeah, I trust my people and I'm going to make sure they can choose what's best for their own lifestyles.
0: So, Jeff, let's... um Let's go ahead and i that that was an amazing discussion um let's go ahead and move into the news um we've got a couple of interesting interesting stories or or topics to talk yeah. about
1: so what's no, the- definitely and I, and i think it kind of the first one is kind of all about this discussion here too and it, to an extent um distilled the s e o company um has been bought by brain labs um, and they acquired them for their, you know, for the course, for the SEO capabilities and then to be able to add that to the new agency um, to, to, to grow brain labs as a, as a, you know, fuller marketing service uh, company. And I think that, I mean, this still has done a ton of things, you know, with their um, content delivery network and and things like that, their, their testing tools. Um, I, I think, what We're going to, in my opinion of what I think we're going to see is a lot more of these type of transactions where it's just like, you're not just buying an SEO company's not buying another SEO company to to grow, but you're going to have, and I, I think we went through it before when non-digital companies would buy digital companies to add a digital arm to their, their business. But in general, I thought it was a pretty big, least recently big news of an SEO company being acquired that I thought was interesting.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the way it worked, right. So, I, I know Dan Gilbert, uh, Will, I know a little less. I actually had a cool, I actually spoke with Dan uh, two months ago on Zoom. A uh, great guy, really cool guy. Um, so, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me. So, everything that's going on there, like, so, right, Dan brings in private equity group and then he becomes known as a platform. Okay. So, the way a platform works is you have a certain EBITDA, you have a certain net profit and millions of dollars as an agency you're going to bring on private equity and say, hey, we're going to try to do one acquisition, two acquisitions a year, every two years, whatever that timetable is. And we're going to try to take your EBITDA from 3 million where you have a valuation of 8 to 10X on that 3 million to 15 million where we can get a 12 to 15X valuation. And for that, we're going to you know, take a 30, 70, 60% equity stake and then you're going to get to roll that over and we're going to become a platform. We're going to do some acquisitions. We're going to grow top line and bottom line revenue and we're going to grow. So that's kind of what they're doing. Now, the cool part for Distilled, right, if you notice, they took their ODN, right, and they spun it off as what's called Search Pilot. And mm-hmm. so they, they were more engaged on the SaaS side of it. And I think a lot of their attention and energy and just passion as founders pivoted from client services to really growing a SaaS business. They saw the multiples. They saw, yeah. you know, the average revenue per user. They saw the gross margins that were very different than their services business, uh, which they probably already slightly experienced in Distilled You. I mean, Directive, we launched what's called the Directive Institute uh, in January. Um, And it's been really, really special. Um, It's $39 a month. It teaches you SEO, PPC, content, analytics, CRO. Uh, It's the first one, honestly, on the market. That's not just like SEO education or PPC education, but all of it. And it's all about practical. So it's all your templates, tools, spreadsheets, everything, literally how we service all our clients is in there. Uh, And what I think is unique is like when you have – a product, as an owner, it can change your focus and get you excited maybe about something different. And I'm sure, you know, this still, they've been in that game for like 15 years and they, you know, they kept search pilot as their own thing, spun off their services business. Dan gets a big win, gets across sell SEO and PPC, can immediately like share portfolios, right? Because the sales portfolio can be all SEO, his is all PPC, immediately symbiotic, grows revenue and everybody wins.
0: So yeah. coming, coming from startups.com, one of the huge aspirational goals of almost every founder is the dream of the, the exit. Um, and, and most of, most of who we worked with businesses kind of that that ran all the, the gamut, but a lot of it was SaaS. Um, and I just, I just wonder like, is, is do, do you anticipate Will Critchlow just riding off into the, into the sunset or, or, the other question I would have is as a, you know, as a CEO of an agent of an agency, I don't know, like how important to, to, to you from your perspective would be like a big exit or, or selling, or is that even something that you would ever consider? I mean,
2: you know, that, that to me is a little more private right now, um, oh, yeah. but no, I think for me, like doing acquisitions and growing directive. Um, I think this is a logical step at a certain point when you have the right operational infrastructure and management team in place, Um, combining cultures, retaining other people's accounts through a transition. I'm sure it's no easy task. I've never done it myself. Um, But no, I, I, for me, uh, I definitely am not, uh, my vision isn't to like sell to another agency right now. Mine would be to grow our agency, you know, through our own sales marketing acquisitions, other things, more Dan's route than Will's route. Uh, right now, if that
0: right. makes sense, and and it's interesting that you that you said kind of the merging of cultures. I think both. And Jeff, I can't remember because Jeff and I have worked together at different agencies for a long time. But there was a, a time where I worked um, at a, at an agency, Rosetta, uh, and then eventually because it was owned by a large holding or a large parent company, oh. Publicis, um, we were merged with a, a company that had used to be one of our competitors, Razorfish. And then all of a sudden, like we go from being competitors to, hey, you're now on the same team um, and, and the, the merging of different styles and cultures and team structures um, as it stood there definitely over time was challenging, challenging for the company and challenging for the, um, for the individuals in, involved. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely a challenge.
1: I've been through a bunch of them. <laughs> I was actually with Razorfish before it became Publisys. got bought by Microsoft, then got bought, spun off, bought by Publisys. I went to a company called GSI Commerce. We got bought by eBay. They ripped that apart and like fanatics.com came out of it and all the yeah, services. Yeah, that's Michael Rubin
2: there. stuff. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. So, yeah, Michael Rubin was a great dude, like actually really energetic. I got to work with him a couple times, um, through some projects. Um, and now he, I see him on this, he's part of owner of the 76ers, my favorite team. And I'm <laughs> um, seeing him sitting on a bench with like Alan Iverson. And I'm just like, ah, he used to sell sneakers out of his trunk. <laughs> like, how how do like now you're sitting like, getting yep. Meek Mill out of prison, doing all this fun stuff like that. And then I went to Rosetta and then at Rosetta we got bought by Publicis again. So Publicis seems to follow where I go. but uh, <laughs> um, And so I went to get out of the big agency world and started going smaller, which, which is fun. And I expect that eventually I'll be at another company that gets bought out. You know, it's, it's sometimes uh, I, the money is just way too big to uh, <laughs> to not, oh, um, it's right, you know. Like, it's, right?
2: Like you yeah. have to put your family first and – and if there is exactly. truly an opportunity that makes sense, you know, a lot of times people just take it.
0: Yeah. That was so. one of the, um, if you've ever read Rand Fishkin's book, Lost in Founder, um, he had talked about pretty openly how he had been approached. Um, uh, I believe my HubSpot. HubSpot. Yeah. Yeah. That was trying to remember um, by HubSpot. And he had a, a very big acquisition offer that turned down. And, you know, many years later, um, it was it, it's one of his one of his biggest regrets that he speaks about in the um in the book. So just definitely an interesting conversation and, yeah. and you know we don't often yeah. get the opportunity when one of these types of stories breaks to talk to a CEO. So it's like, well, hey, you're running the company. Like what do you think of this this sort of thing? Is this even on your mind? So it was a good, no, no. good opportunity to ask.
2: No, it's cool for Rand. I mean, you know. For him, it's like one of the things, This economies of scale as like a SaaS founder to have an exit, like it's easier for him. Like it would have been a lot easier for him to make his new SparkToro thing bigger and well more well-funded and just more connected with an exit on your resume, regardless of how mm-hmm. strong your resume is in the first place. And, and that's, you know, a lot. It's just kind of, a, it's just a part of the game, whether it's right or not, yeah. you know, it just is what it is.
1: Cool. Oh. Cool. then the other, the other bit of news, it's not, and again, not necessarily news here, but uh, Kevin Indig had a, a really fun tweet (laughs) tweet and it was basically like, what is something super annoying that most speakers should stop doing at like conferences? And I thought like um, the responses were great. And I was actually trying to think back to me, like, what did I feel that um, I I don't go to a ton of SEO conferences anymore. and, And, and not that I'm, I just feel like a lot, I need a more advanced one, I think, that I I go to because a lot of times I'll go to, you know, I've been to like SES, I've been to SMX, um, and I just feel like a lot of times I'm not learning. I'd rather actually go to a conference that's totally not in my industry right now just because I think every speech I'll learn something from. Um, The last time I went to Digital Summit here in Atlanta, and this was my, I guess, my pet peeve of it all was I went to an SEO Um, It was talking about like getting better conversions from SEO. And basically it was all about writing title tags. And I was at the end of the day going like, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm like, I just, and my company paid for the the ticket of course, but I'm sitting there going, really, I just sat through an hour of someone talking about optimizing title tags and I, you know, Hey, I'm not going to say maybe I did learn one or two little tricks, but at the same time, it's I, I, I have to know like what the conference is about and who it's guided to because um, that one was definitely for beginners. And uh, at the end of the day, I did see a couple of my clients there, and that was interesting too because uh, we work with a lot of local clients, and, and they were in there also learning, and I was like, great like I'm glad you're in here learning like even though we we teach this stuff all the time um, yeah, yeah. but I think like having like two basic of content is one of my pet peeves but that's also maybe I'm going to two basic of conferences uh, when I do go so but what are some of the things that you think uh, and you know Garrett you as a speaker like I I know when I watch my own Every time I speak or even listen to this podcast, I, when I help edit it, I, I kind of cringe at things I say all the time. Um, what are some things that maybe you think that you do that you can work on and get better or that you see other people doing that, you, you know, would make you um, that speakers should stop doing?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I had to kind of learn a lot this year. So I have a torn Achilles. So you can kind of see it here. Mm-hmm. I had walks in September, actually. I retored at the 10 week mark. Uh, so I spoke at, I think over 10 to 15 events on one leg. So while sitting on a chair, um, so you have to, I think one of the things like, I feel like I was given a gift that is energy, like knowing how to create energy when I communicate. Um, that does not make me lean into that more because you couldn't use your stage presence through the way you carried your body language. You had to literally do it through the way you carried your voice, um, But, you know, what I try to do every time I speak is bring as much fire, whether that's through the energy or just the tactics themselves, being unique and and like stuff people haven't thought about. One of the unique parts about Directive is we spent more in 2019 on our PPC than any other agency did for itself. And we ranked better pretty much than any other agency did for themselves. And so... I get to talk about search because I still actually do that stuff and like we make millions of dollars, I guess, from doing it for ourselves. So it actually works and everybody else says it doesn't. That's my favorite thing in the industry is like people in the search marketing space saying like SEO doesn't work for agencies. PPC doesn't work for agencies. It actually does. Like it works for everybody. It's like, that's what I ever said about agencies. It's like, no, no, no. Like, we're going to help you, man. This stuff's great. It's going to be really expensive. They're like, awesome. How can you do it for yourself? No, 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 no. Like, you know, like to me, that was like the most backwards thing of agencies is how the hell do you sell this stuff that you can't do it for yourself? Like, what? No, so, I agree. So, so like for me, I love this stuff. So I always try to bring like some cool stuff for Sing. So Like one of the tactics is like, like if you're running a brand awareness campaign, like using a CPC bid on LinkedIn instead of a CPM, you're going to actually get a lower CPM, like really cool tactics like that. And then all the data to back it up. And so that's kind of, I just deliver tactics and data that people haven't tried or aren't thinking about. And then I have some fun with it.
0: So in, in reading Kevin's um, tweet, there are a lot of, there are a lot of interesting responses and part of me thinks like, there are times in the industry where we're too hard on on each other or where we take um take opportunities to troll each other and i think we've certainly been guilty um there were yeah, a couple of uh, a couple of tweets maybe like i don't know 6 weeks ago or something where somebody had asked an interview question that was had proposed a, a mock interview question in which they would only hire somebody if they could um, answer this really obscure algorithm question, and it was incredibly cringeworthy, but at the same time, I feel like we were like, yeah let's troll that guy um, <laughs> there's a there's a lot of a lot of that, a lot of that going on and, and there are a lot of people I respect kind of in this thread because it did get a lot of engagement talking about kind of just things that are interesting idiosyncrasies like how how and when to drink water. Um, or gosh, what was one of the, what was one of the other ones?
1: Um, dogs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I just can't go down those if I'm being honest. So if I see like a negative thread, I'm just like, yeah, I don't don't, think like time on like personal intros or turning their, um, deck into like a sales pitch or just shit like that. And part of me is like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But part of me, as and I don't have a lot of experience as speakers just for many, many reasons, but part of me is like it takes a hell of a lot of courage for somebody to stand up in front of a lot of people yep. and speak. The, the only thing I'll say is like if you're gonna if you're gonna be up there, have something unique to say and bring the data. Um, and if you do that, like none of the other idiosyncrasies really matter. To me because it takes a hell of a lot of courage to be up there and to to be talking in front of yeah lives. and like
2: well, some hard. people are good and some people aren't and everybody yeah. needs to try yeah. it so you shouldn't discourage them yeah it's just yeah. like anything like, some people suck at speaking that is totally yeah. okay but yeah. that doesn't mean you shouldn't try or that you can't get <laughs> exactly. better you yeah. know what i mean like but and, and other people just are like quirky you know like yeah there are some people that genuinely want to stretch before every speaker and they think that's fun. And so when they speak, they do it. They don't realize they're the only one wanting to stretch and the other guy does it. Right. Or the guy right. does it. Like, it's just, for me, I don't even go down that road because it's like, I don't know. Twitter is just like this cesspool of BS, like every <laughs> once in a while where people love to act very much, you know, above like board and they do this like helpful judgmental thing, which is like, to me, kind of sad. So I, I always just yeah. love on people. I'm just like, man, it's not that easy, you know, like, whatever.
1: No, <laughs> like, cool. no I, I found a thread informative to some extent where, of course you always have the the people who are just, you know, crapping on everybody. But then it was someone who, not that I have aspirations of being like a, you know, a, a world tour speaker, but I do want to have like notes on what people are liking and what they don't. And, and some of them were really, um, were really I mean, I think drinking water during it, like, I, I, I read that one, and it was kind of like, I guess some people drink water after every okay. word.
0: Yeah, I uh, drink my water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, but other ones, like, I, I, there were ones where, like, people were, like, trying to get the crowd hyped up, like, can you hear me in the back? You know, and they get all tried to get the, you know, people didn't like that. Uh, I'm not that type of person, but at the same time, uh, I don't think I do hate that. on any of those. Yeah. Some speakers can actually
2: go out there and get people to do that. And or yeah. that their audience where the audience wants to do that. Like everything is yeah. just about the nuance of being a speaker. Like for me, that's yeah. not my style. I go up there and I just try to deliver the most impactful information as possible in the shortest amount of times so with no fluff. Yeah. And, you know, I want people struggling to keep up with notes and like feeling like they they couldn't even get all of it, you know, like more yeah. so than somebody who's like takes 14 slides
0: to explain one concept, you know, and that's just my style, but everybody's got their own style. Yeah. Cool. So let's move on to the third leg of the, um, of the stool, uh, discoverability. Why in the industry, I would say like, and and I think that this is pervasive, not just with SEOs, but with, with marketers kind of on the other side of the fence with clients, with in-house teams, the idea of focusing on vanity metrics like sessions or keywords, rankings, links, why should discoverability be put on a pedestal above all of those other things? Why is it so important in your guys' opinion?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been preaching on this for like four years, it feels like now. (laughs) Uh, People are maybe listening by now. I hear people like take some of my concepts and like try to make them their own. So maybe people are Paying attention, but I've been trying. It's, I, you know, I called it sheriff SERP. I now call it discoverability. Um, it's just based on what's actually going on. It's not. It's just me looking at like the reality of how consumers buy things and saying well, we should probably do the thing we're getting hired for, right? So, like intrinsically, why was SEO created? SEO was created because brands wanted to show up when people searched for the products or services they sold. That's it. That, that is the reason why we exist. Now, the question is, is can you get your, and here's the where we got twisted. See, people took it from, hey, I want my brand to show up to I want my website to show up. Now, this is a really critical point. And so my biggest belief is that SEO and search marketing is not about your website. It's about your brand. Okay, so brand is greater than website. Now, once you truly believe that and that becomes part of your ethos, all of your actions must change. So let's just take a real life SERP, right? So we know that any SERP or keyword that's modified with buyer intent in 2020, purpose like immediately extinguishes individual websites and focuses on third-party review sites and aggregators. Okay, so what I mean by that is like, take something like top ERP software. If you search that, all 10 results are going to be third-party review sites. Now the problem is if you're an SEO, the client comes to you and says, hey, we want to rank for ERP software. We know it's a really competitive term. And then you say, okay, we're going to go after it. You will literally not be able to rank for that term, not because you're bad at SEO, but because that's not a reality anymore. The same thing goes with local, right? So anytime you take buying intent, which is the whole point of search marketing, which is positioning a brand when there's buying intent to be discovered. So you take top, best, reviews, or any type of keyword modifier to a primary term that you offer a product or service on, essentially what I call the Yelp and the Amazon effect occurs. See, consumers have been taught that if we're gonna spend $5 on a breakfast burrito, we sure as heck, and we're gonna look at reviews before we spend that $5 we're gonna go on Yelp and we're gonna go find all the best breakfast review places. What do you think they're gonna do when they buy a quarter million dollar software? That they're gonna be like, yep, trust ya, sounds good buddy. Like no, they're gonna go out there and do their research. See, Google understands this. And see, Google's in the business of satisfying search intent, more so than SEOs are, unfortunately. And so what SEOs need to understand is that all you have to do is do your research, understand how a buyer is finding your product, when purchase intent is strongest, and then position yourself on those third-party review sites, whether that's a CPC model, a CPL model, a cost per position model. Your goal is to make brands discoverable and then generate ROI. When you actually change that mindset from my goal is to do internal linking, link building, title tags, metadata, BS, 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 to my goal is to position a brand to be discovered, now all of a sudden you're a
0: rock star. So what I hear you saying is that SEOs need to, as a as a function, or not not just need to, they can't or shouldn't function as an SEO in this day and age without focusing on just being a good digital marketer and meeting customers where they are not where they think they should be
2: yeah i mean like for example like i couldn't rank for b2b seo so what i did i just went on search engine journal wrote a post about what you should think about before hiring someone for b2b seo and now i rank number one for b2b seo and i'm controlling the narrative around what people should think about for b2b seo it's not hard like you just have to be creative
0: it's funny one of my so i I was um, recently on the SEO SAS podcast, which, uh, by the way, awesome uh, female-led SEO podcast. Highly recommend listening to it. But one of the things I, I discussed is um, thinking about content and thinking about what content you, um, you you want to create. Thinking about what content opportunities you have, and the idea of when you're when you're thinking about a content strategy. Um, I, I kind of see it as kind of a five, um, a five phased uh, approach, discover, uh, which is essentially figuring out and I like to use analogies. So like, okay, how big is the ocean of things that I'm trying to rank for and then strategy? Okay, within that ocean, where should I fish? And then, okay, now that I've decided where to fish, how do I create a piece of content that's going to be worthy of ranking where I'm supposed to rank. And one of the critical parts of that point of creation is understanding search intent. And, and not only that, not just understanding search intent, but actually taking the time to go out and look at the search result. Uh, in, in, I find it absolutely mind-boggling how many people don't take the time to do that when they're researching, because what we don't have to do is reinvent the, the wheel we just have to figure out what Google's rewarding. And in, in, in your okay. case, Google wasn't rewarding your site. So you got creative and said, hey, well, they're rewarding search engine land. Let me go write a piece for search engine land. Uh, and people just don't seem to do that. And the typical process is more like, hey, uh, maybe I do some research. Maybe I don't. Then I go create this piece of content. And then, hey, you SEO, go optimize it. And I'm like, well. And that's the biggest
2: problem, right? Like SEO's yeah. job descriptions, they scope themselves into thinking my responsibility is within this CMS.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's the biggest mistake SEOs make. And so my whole education is like brand dude, brand gal, like wake up, brand, brand, brand. Like your whole job is to make the company that's paying you discoverable for what they sell, not to make the website rank for what they sell. Mm-hmm. So you got to change your KPIs. You got to change the way you communicate with management. You have to educate management and then you have to go out there and actually do that thing. And you can't do that thing if you're only trying to do it with your website. Like, you will fail. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just honestly the reality. And unfortunately, literally, everyone I talk to in this space is still brainwashed subconsciously. They don't actually think this verbally, but, like, subconsciously, the way they go about their work is just in the the website, only thinking about how do I grow the website, how do I grow the traffic, how do I get more keywords, how do I increase MQLs on the website, everything's website, website, website. And they're missing like ninety percent of their opportunities because of this subconscious perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I've gotten a little bit of an eye opener with with this podcast, right? It's it's something different that I'm trying to rank, not a website, right? It's it's actually uh, you know, the podcast itself. So where can we, like there's straight up tech or like SEO things you can do, right? Blog posts, try to get into those type of things, but you're also dealing in other markets like Spotify and Apple podcasts and and things like that. And it's, to me, it's a whole new world where it's, it is, it's trying to build, with the podcast, we want to make a great podcast, but we also want to build the brand of the podcast. And, and, and that's where it's like being discovered. And it, it, it's music to my ears right now, because that is the hardest thing that we like, at least I'm finding with, a, there's a million podcasts out there. Right. So how can you be discovered oh, yeah. over everyone else?
2: And when they discover you, what do they find? Like, that's yeah. the worst part about SEOs. Like a lot of us are like, then we try to rank a blog post that we never read. I'm being dead serious. Yeah. Like yeah. we try to write a rank, a blog post, we rank it, and the content sucks, so it hurts us, not helps us, right? Like that's the act. Like you right. see what I mean? Like it's such a like siloed approach we sometimes take, where it's like I just got to get this to rank, and it's not like yeah, but like what if your rank sucks and hurts you? Nobody like thinks like that, you know what I mean? It's just like I got to get this to rank, you know? What I mean? Especially local, like all they do is spin off like fifty thousand crappy location pages it's like does that really help you you know what
0: i mean like yeah that is an exact almost verbatim conversation i've had with a client recently where one of the things that we're struggling with is not necessary is that they're ranking for certain pieces of content that have nothing to do with their business and the conversation in, in in the process of trying to get them to understand like this is great but it's not helping you, not helping you at all. Um, in fact, probably hurting you. Um, it, it's harder harder than you would think in this day this day and age. Um, but it can help
2: you, right? Like one cool example if you think about it is like, what if you're Airbnb and you're trying to make it around a lifestyle experience, right? So you can have like this lifestyle side sure. of it if you're a brand and then you're using retargeting to then like remarket to those people over time about like, like, so they wanted to see a guide of Belarus, and then you retarget to them about trips to Belarus. Okay, right? That's still, but you would say that's about it, right? And then there's people who are like a plumber, and they got posts on like the 15 best breeds of golden retrievers, and you're like, oh, yeah. dude, I don't
0: see the connection, right? Right, like, there's there's high funnel, and then there's like out of the universe, Fun. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I'm trying to rein in is let's get in the universe, right? I get it. Like it, it has to be at least tangentially related to what you do. Like it can't be. It can be two or three steps away, but when you start getting farther than that, like, is that worth the, the time and the money that you're spending on producing? Um, like I said, it's no. a harder conversation than I would think that it th- that it would be.
1: No, yeah, my wife works for. My wife works for a real estate agent and, and um, their website, uh, they, I, I had to have a talk with the owner one day there, but it's cause their blog, I just clicked on it. Cause I always love their blog posts they have. So their latest one is 10 ways to celebrate Valentine's day. What does it have to do with selling houses? Like I, that's kind of where I left. They're just paying someone the right content for content's sake. Someone sold it to them and I think they need a the little bit of a talking to some of that stuff. So.
0: Well, and it's not the content person's fault, like, but people spend a lot of money, like that's a lot of money on the door on shit content that could be better served doing something else, anything else. And it's crazy because people think like, we need content, we need more content, we need a content strategy. And then when the rubber meets the road, like there are agencies out there who will come at them and say, here's what it costs for 80 pieces of content without ever asking the question, is this right? for you? Do you need that much content? Does it fit with your brand? Is it going to help your discoverability? Is it in the right place? Is the website the right place? Um, yeah. And that's Lots the of, of, of questions. Part. Yeah. No, exactly. Cool. So Garrett, one, um, want to come, come to the end. Um, one of the questions we always like to ask people at the end, because um, this podcast is, is for people that have been in the industry for a while and just want to hear old kind of old industry war stories, so to speak, and people that are brand new to the industry who are just getting in and trying, to, and trying to kind of get their bearings. So the question that we like to ask folks is, imagine that you're speaking to somebody that literally just today's the first day in the SEO industry, and they don't know anything. What advice would you give them?
2: Yeah, I mean, be active in the industry, give back, try to contribute, communicate. I think we have a really, I think one of the coolest things about what we do is we have a special industry, an industry that does try to help. Yeah, there's some snarky people online, whatever, they're in every industry. But the core group of search is a compassionate group that loves to help people. Uh, You know, Cyrus is a great example. He just shared our Institute program today on his Twitter account. You know he's always been a huge promoter of us. Uh, And we never really like, we did barely know each other, you know, like, some guy like that is willing to you know, use his following to help you is a perfect example. But if you want to be successful in SEO, the most important thing you can do is become great at everything else, okay? You're going to become good at SEO through doing SEO, okay? Read on SEO. Be passionate about SEO. That's great. But do not confuse the fact that SEO is a very, 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 very small piece of what, frankly, a business needs. And your ability to communicate that very small piece that you're great at through the lens of every other big piece is truly the way you make hundreds of thousands of dollars, whether that's in salary or millions as an agency, is through being able to communicate why what you're doing matters to the things they care about. And you can only do that if you truly are educated and an expert in Sales, marketing, business, finance, management, leadership, product, decision-making, DevOps, et cetera. So take the time to learn that stuff. Take it seriously. Uh, And if you become exceptional at all pieces of marketing, business, finance, sales, you will be the best SEO because the best SEOs are the ones that actually know how to get things done. And the second you start charging for your services, the less things you're able to do. In other words, the bigger the company you work with, you, have, you only get to do one thing. So it's not about how much you can do for them. It's figuring out the one thing you can do for them that'll matter and, and doing that. And so, you know, that's going to be critical for you to make money in this industry and be really successful.
0: Excellent, excellent advice. So Garrett, where can people find you? Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at
2: uh, LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, if you're looking to learn SEO or, you know, want to see how we do things, check out uh, the Institute. It's directiveconsulting.com. Uh, forward slash institute
0: yeah yes and I was checking checking that out uh, before we came on and it looks like a really uh, really impressive slate of videos that you guys have produced um, that are probably I'm gonna I'm not probably I'm gonna guarantee that they're incredibly beneficial uh, to those that uh, pay and take in the content so uh, thank you Garrett for for coming on Uh, really really appreciate your time yeah it was a great discussion well, thanks,
2: Jacob. No, awesome. glad to be here. And uh, Beyond Videos, there are templates, uh, walkthroughs, literally all the assets and resources we use. So uh, yeah, check that's it out. Great. And uh, appreciate it. And it's, and it's
1: reasonably priced, which yeah. is awesome.
2: Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's meant to be accessible to everyone. So
1: yeah, no, that's awesome. Because I've seen things like that, like a million dollars. And you're like, oh, no, I don't no, know how I can tell my boss really. that I need that.
2: No, it's, yeah, the keys but, the, it's the keys to the house. It has everything in there for uh, pretty much free. So check it out.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Page Two Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to more episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Additionally, you can also listen to our show on our new YouTube channel. If you'd like to become a sponsor or would like to be interviewed, get in touch with us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.